Episode 75, China, back to the moon with Shanghai 4. Hello and welcome to AstroTalk UK. AT UK is a not-for-profit podcast produced by me, Gurbir Singh, amateur astronomer and writer based in the UK. I produce this podcast for my own education and share it as a free educational resource with anyone who has an interest. ATUK has no subscribers, ads, and you do not need to log in. For more information, please see the About page at www.astrotalkuk.org. One mission, two spacecraft. China is going back to the moon with Chang'e 4, a mission that I think is most exciting lunar mission since the 1970s. By the end of 2018, the China National Space Administration will launch Chang'e 4 that will explore the far side of the moon with a lander and a rover. Since it's on the other side of the moon, it will be totally out of sight from the Earth. To facilitate communication, a relay satellite will be launched in advance of the lander-rover's arrival at the moon. In addition to engaging private sector companies in China, the Chang'e 4 mission will include a significant level of international collaboration with payloads from Germany, the Netherlands, Saudi Arabia and Sweden. Ye Xuanzi is a postdoc astronomer who specializes in small bodies in the solar system. Like me, he started off as an amateur astronomer now uses telescopes with apertures measured in meters rather than inches. In addition to his research, he writes about space for the Planetary Society's blog. As a Chinese national, Xuan Shi has an interest and an insight into the Chinese space program, and in this episode, we spoke about the upcoming Chang'e 4 mission and the prospects of collaboration between India and China in space. I started by asking him about the subject matter of his PhD and his current research. So my PhD is about meteor astronomy. Meteors, uh, maybe a more common name for meteors are shooting stars. Uh-huh. And they are from this, they are from the dust ejected by uh, icy bodies like comets. Uh, and we are very interested in comets because uh, there's a lot of water on them, not in liquid form, but in the uh, as ices, and it's widely believed that um, the water here mm-hmm. uh, and potentially uh, life building blocks like you know very uh, primordial form of life of you know of, of things that build our life are also from comets. Mm-hmm. We want to learn more about comets, um, but most of comets they're far. Uh, we could certainly go there, but they're expensive, <laughs> so. So we want to, you know, it, it's called Pullman's Astronomy. Uh, so we studied the things they ejected uh, and, and tried to learn about the comets that eject them. So, so my PhD is about meteors, about shooting stars. Uh, and we use shooting stars as a way to understand comets. And what was the um, new information that your research generated? Uh, so my research, uh, let, uh, let me go a little bit here. Ho- hopefully that's not going to scare some of our <laughs> listeners. Uh, 
So uh, my research, my PhD research is um, in particular about the comments that are about to die. So let's think about uh, ice cream. Well, if you buy an ice cream during summer, I guess we all did during our child, at some point during our childhood, uh-huh. right? Um, and you know that you must eat it as, as, as soon as possible because if you're just putting under the summer, the, 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 the sun on the, in, in the summer, it's going to melt very soon, right? It's going to evaporate. And the same thing goes on for comets. So comets, they orbit the sun, and every time they pass close the sun, some of the water ice on them melt away, or we call it sublimate away. So comets will die, they won't be there forever. But no one has actually seen a comet dies. Uh, well, we have some clues of what will happen, but you know we want to gather more information about it. Because if a comet dies, then you know all the waters on it goes away, and uh-huh. they become not so interesting for our for, for the purpose I just I just stated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use meteors to understand how, uh, why, and how comet dies. Mm, interesting. You mentioned the uh, potential organics that can come from the water ice on comets. You um, are sure familiar with the theory of panspermia, uh, the idea that life on Earth originated from comets. Did your research, or what's the understanding amongst astronomers today? Is that still a theory that many astronomers accept? Uh, I believe so. Uh, I well, I, I should say that this is not the uh, not the direction I'm 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 I'm, I'm directly working on. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's you know, I, I, my understanding might not be might might not be it might not reflect the most recent understanding of it. But my understanding is that this is still correct, and comets are known. You know, they are they are organics on comets. And you know, organic materials—they are like building blocks. So, yeah. In sh- in, in short, I think that's still uh, the current understanding of comets. And actually, this is one of the very thing that that makes comet very interesting to us. Now, that's uh, uh, a topic maybe we can return to. But I really want to speak to you. Um, thank you for that answer. Uh, I want yeah. to speak to you about the Chinese space program. Uh, not least because of all the huge leaps it's taken over the last uh, decade or two uh, with mm-hmm. the, the human space flight programs which has had six missions and 14 people have been into space now there's two space stations a lunar rover about five years ago and also another one coming up which is really what I want to uh, talk about in detail but the why do you think China has been so successful in space in the recent years? Uh, so first, I should say that I have a conflict of interest because I'm, I'm a Chinese national, but I will try to be as objective as possible. Uh, so, um, so as if we if we try to look at this question from a um, historic point of view, uh, I think all the success nations, all all, all the developed nations, well, want to do scientific research. Why? Because this is an investment to the future, right? I mean, you can't just uh, stay there. If you earn enough money, you can't just stay there and hope that you will keep earning this money for, I don't know, a thousand years of time. And China has has got a lesson. Uh, that's actually, this happens about, I think, six, yeah, six centuries ago. Uh-huh. Uh, in 1421, around 1421, China was one of the most powerful countries in the world at that time. 
and uh, and they uh, and at that time we built uh, very big fleets, you know, sh big ships uh -huh. uh, to explore the world. Um, not the world, but you know, to explore Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. and the fleets also visit India. I wanted to say, and also Sri Lanka, and um, I think the furthest trip make it to East Africa, uh -huh. and there was that was actually that was really a great time. But that time, uh, the motive to do this kind of exploration is not really to explore the world, but just to show off. Uh -huh. Of course, we did not, uh, maybe maybe on the bright side, we did not conquer other countries. Uh, we just go there and make friends, and that's all. Uh, but, that, but at that time, uh, the Asian Chinese did not use the massive uh, worth they earned to do more research to try to keep China uh, on top of the most powerful countries. Uh -huh. And that's actually a very good lesson because this tells you that you need to invest in the future. You can't just be happy with what you have right now. Uh, so I think uh, now I think China is rapidly developing, and I think so does India. And as you can see, the similarities of the two countries is to try to invest the future. I think the space programs are very good way to invest future because that's a front that's in the frontier of scientific research. Mm -hmm. Space is our next step, right? Uh, so I think it's very natural for uh, for a developing, rapidly developing country like China to, in, to uh, invest more in uh, in in space uh, research. The um, exploration in the early 15th century you refer to is that the explorer Zheng He? Am I saying that right? Uh, yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, despite the success, they stopped doing that. And yes, because the emperor changed. Ah, and the uh, emperor that supported Zheng He's uh, exploration died, uh -huh. and the next and the next emperor says that you know why why should we bother to go explore the world? You know we are already earning a lot of money, and all the people are happy. Why should we do this? Right. Uh, so that of pushing exploration further, he actually declared a maritime ban. Oh. that is not this should you know have ships if you have ships. Uh, you will be executed. <laughs> so this is like you. They they actually make a U-turn on this kind of policy. And at, at that time, you know, all the ships are just burned. Uh -huh. uh, and in the next, I think, in the next several centuries, China did not have the sizable fleets. Just going back to the economics of uh, space exploration. On the flip side, you could say mm -hmm. that you need space exploration, space programs to help economic growth of a nation as well. Would you agree exactly. with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, so for example, for NASA, uh, NASA have a spin-off program that is um, the new science, uh, the new research, um, the new knowledge that you got from space programs will benefit uh, other, other, other sectors. And we repeatedly see um, example of that. And actually, I have a friend who was who used to work in. I think she graduated from the Oxford University in the UK, and she was working in. Uh, I think uh, what's that? A, a zero g, a zero gravity device or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then that was she, she, she's not graduated now, and she applied the knowledge she learned, uh, uh, her group learned uh, during the development of such device uh, into baby, uh, baby, baby cards. Uh huh. That. that uh, uh, I think the takeaway is that that, that technology make baby, uh, make babies feel more comfortable when they sit in the car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think one example, and I, I'm pretty sure there were you know maybe ten thousand other examples uh, on on this.
So as you can see, space programs, the new knowledge you learn in space programs will be very beneficial um, to our daily lives. To, to um, look at China's uh, upcoming space mission to the moon, Shanghai 4 mission, it's perhaps the most significant and interesting program to explore the moon since the Apollo era. So there's four components, the relay satellites with the two mini satellites in elliptical orbit around the moon and then there's the lander with a rover which will be launched later and yes. the significance of this is that it's going to be landing on the other side of the moon. When is the relay satellite going to be launched? I understand that's going to be first. Uh, yes, uh, the relay satellite will be launched. The relay satellite with the two, the pair of micro satellites will be launched in next month. And the whole purpose of uh, doing it this way is because when the lander and the rover are on the surface on the other side of the moon, they can't see the Earth, so the relay satellite needs to be in place to provide the communication. Yeah, that's right. And maybe uh, maybe we should know that this is because the Earth, um, the the uh, the moon is tidal locked to the moon. Uh, sorry, the the moon is tidal locked to the Earth. Uh, so the moon always faces the Earth. Uh, using it's the same using one side, so the other side won't be the Earth. That's why we need to have a relay satellite if we want to do any kind of work on the other side of the moon. And the relay satellite satellite will not be orbiting in the moon in the normal sense, but it's going to be in a special orbit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it will be placed into something called a halo orbit. Um, so halo orbit is like in the halo is actually at the at a point called the Lagrange. Two point. Uh, to put it simple, this point is a special point. Uh, in there, you you feel the a balanced attra uh, gravitational attraction both from the moon and the Earth. Simply put, you only need to spend a very small amount of fuel if you are there, and you can see both the moon and the Earth. This halo orbit, special orbit, is orbits exist in um, multiple places, and in the case of uh, the relay satellite it's the L2 point for Earth-Moon system and this so unique an orbital point as you described that it uses minimal amount of fuel to maintain its position that is why the Webb telescope, James Webb telescope is going to be launched next year also the same point where the Indian Adita uh, L2 satellite observing the sun will be located eventually, I think about 2020 or something when they launch it. So it's a very special orbit and as yeah. you say, the key point uh, about this orbit is that from there that relay satellite will always be able to see both the Earth and the lunar lander and rover on the far side of the moon providing the continuous communication link which is key. And also um, requires a minimum amount of fuel. So, and what are these uh, small microsatellites? Um, so the small microsatellite uh, will be used to study radio astronomy. Uh, we can't do it from the surface of the, the Earth because uh, the Earth's atmosphere actually does not allow such um, such radio wave to pass through uh, the atmosphere. So this is something that you have to do it in space. And, and this, I understand, the, the frequencies involved are quite low, uh, from one to um, 
10 megahertz, at 100 megahertz, which is unusually um, low frequency. And again, as you say, it's because these frequencies don't usually get uh, through the Earth's atmosphere, but also terrestrially in uh, on Earth, we use those frequencies anyway. So again, it causes yeah, a lot so, of interference. Yeah, exactly. So we want to place this um, outside Earth's atmosphere. I should say ionosphere, not atmosphere, because ionosphere is larger than the atmosphere, as we call it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we want to put it far from the Earth. Uh, and I also learned that on the microsatellites, there will be a small device uh, that will be used to measure um, the distance from the satellite to the Earth. Uh, this is something that is very crucial for uh, Chinese, uh, Chinese, uh, Chinese space-based gravitational wave detection uh, satellite array. So this is there will be something there will be something there will be something that's for testing some other things on the satellite. The other major component is going to be the lander and rover. Um, so yes. when will that be launched? Uh, for now, uh, I think the launch date is late this year. I don't know what exactly day it is, mm -hmm. uh, but that's the plan for now. It's um, very unusual for one mission to have two spacecraft so far apart, but it's uh, such a unique mission that I guess they require this uh, time period. Lander and the rover, um, it's Shange 4. How similar is that to the Shange 3 mission that uh, landed in 2013? Um, they are similar because Chang'e 4 is originally a backup module of Chang'e 3. Uh -huh. And uh, similarly, uh, all the cameras will be there. Uh, there will be a landing camera. On the, on the lander, there will be two cameras, a lander camera and a terrain camera that will take pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, and on the rover, there's a, a panoramic camera that we also had on, uh, in, on, on, on Chang'e 3. And also there will be a spectrometer and also um, ground penetrating radar that will be try to look at the, the, the structures under the surface. Uh, there will be a few difference. Chang'e mm -hmm. um, 3, there are, some, there are some modules for rock analysis. On Chang'e 4, there won't be. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, uh, um, a neutron and uh, device to analyze the um, the, mole the molecules and atoms in on lunar atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that, that the moon does not have an atmosphere, but actually it does have. It's just so thin that it we call, wouldn't call it an atmosphere. Right. Uh, and also, perhaps most interesting, there will be something for astrobiological study. Uh, they will actually launch a container with silkworm eggs and see how these silkworms and also and, and also seeds of potatoes. Um, so there will be a small cameras inside this container. So we so we on the Earth will see uh, how the potatoes, how the seeds of potatoes, and also these silkworm eggs grow in the lunar environment. Well, there's a lot of interesting things there. So let's start off with this. Um if I can call it a mini greenhouse, which will contain, as you say, these seeds for potatoes and uh, silkworm eggs. So the idea is to have like a, a live stream of how these eggs and seeds grow over a period of uh, days and weeks. Uh, yes, uh, I know. I, I I don't know the time scale on top of my head, but uh -huh. that's, that's the idea. Yes. 
you, you mentioned the um, uh, other experiments. Well, I guess cameras are the key things that uh, most of us will see the end products of. Um, there are some fascinating images from Shanghai 3, uh, both the rover and the lander. Um, mm. Is the quality of the imaging and the videos uh, similar or is it going to be different for Shanghai 4? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I would guess, uh, without really knowing the design details, I will I will think that they are the same because uh, because uh, the, all the cameras are you know they are the same model, uh, they're the same model um, as Chang'e Four is original backup of Chang'e Three. What what is the state of play with the Chang'e Three? I know it lasted a lot longer than had originally been anticipated. It's is it still operational now? Uh, I don't think it's still operational now. Uh, okay, so maybe I should uh, uh, I should introduce the status of Chang'e Three a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as you know, Chang'e Three was originally planned to last. Um, what's the date again? I think it's one to three lunar days. I think the rover is for one lunar day, which is fourteen days, uh, fourteen Earth days, and um, um, and the lander is supposed to work on something like three months, uh-huh. as I recall. Right. Uh, and then there was a problem with uh, the rover. Um, the rover, the the views of the you know the moving system of the rover. The rover lives for something like the rover was fully functional for something like one lunar day, and and then um, you know it dies. So I mean it dies in a way that it couldn't move anymore. Uh-huh. But all the device. Uh, on the rover still working, so it's basically like another lander, right? Yeah, for the yeah. Lander, yeah. And for the lander, it actually is for something like a year, I think. Uh, not all the module. Uh, yeah, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure all the not all the module dies at the same time. Yeah. Um, there are uh, lunar-based telescopes on the lander actually lives for something like, I think it's more than a year because uh, there were reports. From uh, the China Lunar Exploration Program, uh, and they report the status of the lander every month. Uh So I'm pretty sure uh, some of the devices on the lander actually work for longer than uh, one Earth year. I just want to mention that uh, for Chang'e 4, um, they they have fixed the problem that caused uh, the rover uh, malfunction on Chang'e 3, and they hope that the rover will will work longer than the original Chang'e 3 rover. Do you know what the fix was? No, I don't. Sorry. I think <laughs> they say that um, uh, they did not come... Uh, I should say that the lunar dust are so small, so they can actually get into uh, the system more easily than the dust than the dust on the Earth. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think they changed the design uh, to ensure that the dust won't get into the system so easily. That's uh-huh. from my recollection. Most of the spacecraft that land on the moon have nowadays solar cells to generate yeah. the electricity power. But were the either the rover or the lander in Chang'e 3, did they use the radioisotope thermal generators or nuclear power as a source as well? Uh, they did have an, 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 a radioactive power but that's not for powering uh, the motion and uh, also uh, the operation of the device. They're only used to keep the um, keep the instruments warm. 
uh, as you can see on the picture, uh, both of the lander and the rover use uh, solar panels. So the radiothermal generator power source is used only to make sure that uh, all the systems are not killed off by the severe drop in pe temperature. Exactly. It's the temperature does go down to about minus 100 or minus 200, de 150 degrees centigrade. So it would be right. very difficult to recover from that. Do you know if both the rover and the lander had that uh, radioactive source or just the lander? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I can't, I don't <laughs> remember it. I don't talk to my head. Yeah, I should yeah. say that although you are an astronomer, you've written about the Chinese space program, you're not associated with the this particular mission or indeed the Chinese space program itself directly. No. So uh, I learned all of those information because I uh, I consider myself as a, a space uh, enthusiast. So I, yeah. So I I have, yeah. I, I did talk to a few, uh, several of the uh, of the China scientists at conferences, but that's that's all about it. That's all my connections with them. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I just wanted to mention about um, the biological device uh, mm -hmm. because I think there's one other very interesting thing about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually proposed by a group of uh, high school students. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, China's attempts to try to get the journal public more involved with its space missions. Right. Uh, on Tower Three, all of the uh, all of the experiments are proposed by scientists. Uh, but on Chang'e 4, there's uh, actually, there, I, I believe there is one general public proposed device on the lander and there is another um, device on the relay satellite that can be proposed by the general public. So actually this um, biological container is actually proposed by high school students. Uh, it's actually from selection, you know, there, there, there's, a propose, there's a call for proposal uh, and all the proposals are revealed by the scientists and this one was selected. I was interested to learn that the location or the landing point possibly going to be an area where the oldest part of the moon is exposed yeah. to the surface which right. is going to be quite unique compared to the other side of the moon where all the Apollo astronauts and indeed, indeed the uh, sample return missions and mm -hmm. yes. their work. So this will be unique if uh, there is uh, uh, some unique science to be done. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we've spoken about the um, the relay satellite and two small satellites, the lander and the rover. Uh, I see that the um, there's contribution from various other countries in terms of yeah. Uh, instruments on board. The small satellites to do the radio astronomy experiments, uh, which country do they come from? For the small sent, um, do you mean the micro satellites? Yes, micro satellites. Uh, okay, uh, I think they are from the Netherlands uh, because Netherlands, uh, uh, the Dutch uh, are pretty strong in radio astronomy. And that's uh, really interesting that uh, China is uh, working with the Netherlands on that experiment and one of the experiments, the lunar radiation detector, comes from the University of Kiel in Germany 
and yeah. one of the cameras I think on the microsatellites comes or has input to it from Saudi Arabia and oh yes that's correct I, 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 I forgot about that thanks for making that yes and that's amazing how did uh, I mean it's, it's really lovely to see uh, China collaborating with so many other countries um, do you know uh, is that something that China sought or these other countries offered I think this is I'm pretty I, I think this is China sought. so for example um, there were statements from the China Space Agency saying that uh, the relay centralized for China for China for for any future Fast-flight missions. Uh, other countries could make use of this relay centralized to transmit the data collected back to the Earth. Chang'e Four isn't the only one that um, that has international collaboration. So, for example, uh, China's first mission to Mars uh, that was in 2011, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, is actually a collaboration project with Russia. But that one's uh, that one that one um, that uh, spacecraft did not depart from Earth's orbit, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And at this moment, uh, China has at least, uh, let me count, at least two to three um, medium-scale uh, collaboration project with um, other countries, many European countries. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's, um, uh, there's um, a space-based uh, transient object survey with France, uh, and there is a solar astronomy uh, spacecraft with uh, European Space Agency, uh, and there were also uh, discussions about um, having European astronauts to visit uh, the Chinese space station uh, when after it's completed. Yeah, I think I think China is looking for international collaborations, and the other countries also look forward to it. And then it's great to see that um, despite the uh, blockage of co cooperation between. China and the US and that blockage comes from US Congress that there is yeah. so much other uh, cooperation already taking place so you are based now in the US right now what's the motivation behind the US government's position that stopped US NASA in particular collaborating with Chinese space program uh, I am not American politics, so, <laughs> uh, so opinion on my own. Yep. Uh, I believe this is, has a strong political motif uh, because, as we all know about China and the U.S., is, it's it's not complete competition like the U.S. and the Soviet Union does, mm -hmm. uh, because we are actually, oh, the U.S. is actually China's you know largest trading partner and so does for. So that's for China to the U.S. Uh -huh. um, I wouldn't call it popular, but I would call it at least a major uh, thought in the U.S. taking China as a threat uh -huh. to the U.S. dominance of the world. Uh, so, so U.S. and I wanted to say that um, uh, the the blockage actually did not happen from day one. Actually, back in the '90s, there were collaboration between U.S. companies and China's. Uh, launching services because the China's uh, launching services were cheap mm -hmm. and and the Congress and the registration did not happen until uh, I think it's 2011 
or at least the first te- the first decades of the 21st century. So it actually happens pretty recently. And the reason behind that uh, is mainly security concerns, uh, because first uh, the U.S. says that uh, China could use um, the knowledge that it gained from international collaboration to its military program, mm-hmm. and that is actually they consider this as a threat to the, the U.S. And the other, there are some pretty strong statements by American politicians, for for example, Frank Wolf. Uh, this is a guy that's well known in uh, the space enthusiasts in China because uh, he actually led the effort to block the uh, the collaboration between China and NASA. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote that he said. He said that China is the evil empire. So so they <laughs> said that uh, because they are evil empire, because they always they 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 they, they, they are a threat to us. Let's block them. We should not uh, collaborate with them. So 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 basically, uh, the um, the Congress says that all right. So if that's the case, then we ban any NASA um, bilateral collaboration with China. And also, it, they actually go a little bit further. That has something to do with my colleagues. Uh, they said that um, any Chinese nationals, if they want to visit NASA facilities, they need to NASA needs to get a waiver. Uh-huh. Uh, so there have been this incident that one of my colleagues, um, he actually wanted to attend um, a science meeting in one of NASA's research centers, uh-huh. and he he was not allowed to enter. Initially, not allowed to enter because basically because he's a Chinese national. Mm-hmm. And the science is actually about exoplanets. It's about planets in other solar systems. That has nothing to do with any advanced or secret technology or anything like that. Uh-huh. And that eventually led, led to a protest uh, by other um, American scientists says that, you know, this is, this is bad. This is shameful because, because, you know, we are coming here to talk about science. This has nothing to do with, you know, Secrets or any other things. Mm-hmm. So eventually he, he so uh, so eventually he was allowed. But this, I think this highlights uh, the fact that in the U.S. there's this you know political motives to stop American scientists from collaborating with Chinese scientists. I remember the time when U.S. and Russia were competing, or USSR were competing, and uh, everybody thought. Now there will never be a time when they cooperate, and there was also yeah. a time when India uh, had uh, suffered sanctions from the U.S. and uh, yeah. there was no collaboration. And now mm-hmm. both India and the Russia collaborate, and I'm sure time will come when China and U.S. will collaborate. And I think it's necessary for all countries to collaborate yeah. for these big missions to return to the moon and indeed for humans to go to Mars. So it's just a matter of time, but uh, yes. thank you for sharing and I, that. Yeah, and, and I personally believe that this will also benefit the US because it could um, try to get China into the international family, and by doing this, it can actually learn more about China's space program, you know, rather than just stop it, stop any collaboration altogether so that China is forced to develop its own you know, technology. So I believe, that, I personally believe this will also help uh, the US. I, I agree, and I think the example of the International Space Station where American astronauts are taken to orbit by Russian launch vehicles is an example where 
the collaboration in space helps to reduce the tensions, political tensions that sometimes arise here on Earth. And yes, you are exactly. quite right. It's going to be mutually beneficial for everybody concerned to collaborate. Yeah. I just ask your thoughts on um, China and India. Uh, they share a border. They're very close to each other. Currently, are you aware of any collaborative programs in space between India and China? Uh, no, I am not aware of uh, any any collaborations between the two countries. Just a pity. I think that also will hopefully in time uh, evolve. Do you feel positive and optimistic that there will be collaboration between India and China in the future? Uh, yeah, I actually feel very positive about that. Um, maybe not because uh, because of the you know because I feel that I have a conflict of interest because I have uh, quite several very good Indian friends and I personally have I personally admire and respect India and Indian India as a country and Indian people very much. Uh, but I think it's there will be time. I think now we don't see any uh, we are not aware of any collaboration as yet. Because I think both India and China try to take uh, the space program as an opportunity to bring up national prize. I think this is very, this is very, uh, this is very understandable because you know, as a rapidly developing country, you need some way to hold people, hold people together. Um, so, and collaboration with um, a competitor country in in some sense uh, may not take greatly for some of its citizens, and I think this is fine, but I, I, I strongly believe that at some point when India and China reach some kind of a stage that, you know, they feel that, you know, now uh, we already, just like the US, right? The US does not need to prove that it's the number one in the world, it's already number one. <laughs> Everybody buys that, right? Mm. So, uh, one, I'm not saying we need to wait until China or India or both become the number one the early on to do that. But after um, people recognize their country as one of the biggest, you know, space power, uh, they will be more inclined to a cooperation with other countries, uh, even its old competitors. Just like the U.S. and Russia, you know, American typical Americans, they have they don't have strong problems of cooperation with Russia because you know, well, the Russia had been a great power, but now. But now the U.S. is number one, so they don't have, really have problems. I share your optimism. I, I think space in particular has a unique place to bring countries together in a way that nothing else does. I feel that actually typical uh, Chinese and Indians, um, well, I visit India once, and there, uh, they were, you know, after people know that I'm from China, uh, I. They 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 have curiosity and they're friendly. Uh, uh, for example, when I was uh, taking a cab in uh, in Calcutta, you know, the driver keep talking about the the Chinese make cell phone is good or something like that. Uh -huh. And in China, uh, Indian movies are very popular in China. Uh, there are some very good Indian movies, and actually a lot of people like that. So I can see that they're their 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 loves well i mean we we do have border disputes and other stuff but i think it's normal in the, in, in 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 the geopolitical environment but there are also other po very positive things uh, 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 between the two countries so i think at some point you know 
um, both Chinese and Indian uh, Indian people would love to collaborate with each other. And if I can just conclude with um, uh, the th return to the theme of uh, public engagement, I've noticed that in India, the Indian Space Research Organization, they now have a Twitter feed and Facebook. How is, uh, I seem to feel from what you said earlier, that uh, in China uh, there is a, a desire to engage the public. What kind of examples are you aware of by which Chinese public are being engaged? Uh, actually, I had the blog post on uh, Planetary Society. That's a US-based non-for-profit non, uh, non um, um, organization that's, that, uh, that, that promotes space activity. I actually had a blog there describing how can you assess the China free data. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know of, um, the data in all the China series uh, will become public, all of them. So uh, so it's not something like, you know, there's a secret mission we are doing, you know, we are doing alien research on, <laughs> on the moon. No. So I can clearly see that uh, China is trying to make its um, space research program, uh, space missions, uh, space exploration missions uh, accessible, just like you would expect for any of the um, um, American or European or Indian or Japanese missions. And also, they are so. For example, for one of the um, recent human missions, um, the uh, the the taconauts, you know, the mm -hmm. Chinese of astronauts, mm -hmm. uh, had the space class, you know, um, one of the female astronauts actually t t taught um, a class, mm -hmm. just showing some fancy things you expect from the from in, in space, and that was broadcast uh, to to, uh, to to many Chinese high school and primary school students. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and occasionally they organize um, um, lectures and also space promotion activities um, throughout the country, mm -hmm. and there are also um, there's also a, a space uh, a, a design space space day. I think it's actually in two days. That's April twenty four because oh. that was the day that the first uh, Chinese satellite launched. Uh -huh. And around that time, um, uh, there will be many uh, activities like lectures, hands on experiments uh, throughout the country that. Um, that is hoping to increase the space, the awareness of space in, you know, in, especially in the in the in, in, in the young students. So I can see that there's a lot of efforts putting being put in this direction, trying to bring up the uh, awareness, the public awareness of space, and I think that's good. Dr. Xuan Jie Jie, thank you very much indeed, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Okay, thank you. It was very nice to uh, speak to you and also talk about um, the things we have common interest. It's, it's been a very nice time. <laughs>